What's up? What's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm here spoon tonight with Braden and Will. How's it going, boys? New year, same shit. Um, <laughs> how are you doing, Will? <laughs> I love that that's all you had for me. Um, it was a good weekend of football uh, for most parties involved. Um, it was just nice to hear people back in the stadium. I know I say it all the time, but like full throw to crowds, great reactions, good shit. Uh, and again, your boy did pretty well for himself. So enough about how we doing this week. Let's talk about how great I am. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should have been coming to Vegas with us in order to play some real money. Like the $75 on Newcastle. Yeah. That's why I'm staying home. <laughs> uh, I mean, I had to do that. I'm I, I'm gonna just go ahead and put this out there. The last time Manchester City lost the opening day fixture was also, or not also, but that was also the last time Manchester United won opening day five one, and that was also one of the last times Man United won the league. So, having said all of that, Braden hit us with Shario's numbers, hit us with our numbers. How did we do in betting last weekend? Yeah, it was a pretty respectable week for us overall. Uh, Shoya, three for three on his best bets. A, a very impressive debut uh, from the young man. Uh, so uh, well done, Shoya. Uh, going over, uh, uh, before we get into the results for the three of us, I'm going to go over some of the uh, kind of overall trends for the week. Uh, so um, we talk a lot about like favorites and underdogs and that sort of thing. And so the favorites this week uh, hit seven out of ten. Uh, to return uh one eleven nineteen, uh, if you had bet on all of them, uh, so an ROI of around eleven percent. Um, so not too bad if you bet on all the favorites, but if you bet on all the underdogs, even with it just uh three of the ten underdogs hitting, uh, it returned uh twelve hundred seventy dollars. Uh, so really a pretty strong week, and just kind of highlights that there can be a lot of value in some of these underdogs, especially when you get big lines, uh, like you have with like Spurs City and some other match against an alleged top sixteen that we'll talk about here <laughs> <laughs> shortly. Um. We also often talk about plus favorites. Uh, there were three of those this week. Two of them won, uh, which would have returned uh, 475 on an outlay of 300 for an ROI of 58%. Uh, so, you know, we talk about plus favorites a lot. Just really strong value in those. Um, always a really good thing to look at. And, and kind of the big one this week was home teams. Eight of the 10 home teams won this week. Uh, so, thousand dollars uh a hundred on each one of them would have returned nineteen hundred and fourteen dollars for an roi of 91 percent um away teams obviously did not do quite as well with only two of ten hitting the roi that would have been negative 64 percent and there were no draws uh so uh, some interesting trends that we'll talk about here in a second but i i think we'll uh maybe have some things to go along uh, further in season uh so for the three of us um, I was in last place this week uh, with returning eight sixty four dollars and twenty two pod cents. Uh, Sapoon was second with uh, one thousand ninety six pod dollars and forty five pod cents. And will, as he alluded to in the intro, eleven hundred seventy five pod dollars and fifty four pod cents. Well done, Will. Human son is Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> 
Not yeah. mine, but like, you know, just in the general sense. The Korean Love Jesus. Jesus. He's like, Korean Jesus. I thought that was one of the dudes from BTS, but <laughs> I like <laughs> BTS. That's a, that's a, that's an in like butter. If, if, if you've ever seen 21 Jump Street, I hope you got that reference. Having said that, <laughs> um, I mean, talking about home teams, there was no better place to start than Brentford, except for if you're an Arsenal fan, it was a terrible place to start if you were there. But a lot of um, uncertainty for Arsenal going into this game, Lacazette out, Aubameyang out, I as an outsider looking in was kind of stunned as to what the fuck was going on. And once the game started, I was not stunned. Once the game started, you saw Brentford be the Brentford that everyone's hyped them up to be. Ivan Tooney did not score a goal, but my man absolutely balled the fuck out. Like, don't have words on how to describe a performance like that from a striker. Very old school, very nice. I have a lot to say, but before I keep going on and on about Brentford, going to come to you, Brayden. How do you feel about the game overall? And do you think this is kind of a one-off? Or do you think this is kind of terrible things could happen in the next couple of weeks? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't great overall. I certainly don't think you'd say it's a one-off. I mean, this is all we did all of last season as well. Um, Counting on Arsenal to somehow go into a season, like two weeks before the season starts, everyone was fit, everyone looked good, and then going into the season opener, somehow four of our first 11 are out. And, you know, Eddie and Kennedy, the third-choice striker, is also out. And so we're starting someone who's never started a Premier League game before in the season opener. Um, I, I don't know. Like it's a lot of, it, it's a lot to take in there. Um, a lot of talk around bombing and Lacazette. Are they sick or the scare quotes sick? Um, I'm going to take that face value for now. The last time there was a lot of, uh, conversation about whether Aubameyang was actually sick or getting benched. It turned out he had malaria. So uh, we'll we'll see what comes of that. I haven't heard anything official from the club, whatever. But um, Brentford were just the better team overall this game. Like, there's just really not much more to say. They were more physical. They were competing for balls. Uh, I, I think the second goal really highlighted it. Uh, it's kind of one of those... Yeah, maybe it was a foul against Leno, but like you can't defend like that. You you just can't let a long throw be go into your box, be headed on, and just be basically uh, uncontested. Isn't the right word, but it was so weakly contested, it was almost uncontested. Like it it was just miserable, miserable defending. Uh, and so there's a lot to there's a lot to shake out from this. Um, I don't really know where this goes. That's fair. I mean, two two things. Yeah, for, and I'll let you go after that, Will. Yeah. First and foremost, that was a vintage Rory D-Lap throw. Like, that's what that reminded me of. And I was like, cannot wait to see everybody else have to deal with that, except you don't have the win from Stoke the way you used to. Secondly, I don't think that that's a foul on Leno. Uh, I think he needed to be a little bit more aggressive. And then if he gets pushed around a little bit, then that's a foul. But like, he was a bit too timid in my opinion. Like that's how I looked at it. Maybe. So Will and then Braden, how do you guys see that same situation? Uh, he, he went down like a fucking pack of tender sticks. I don't know what the fuck that means, but like he, he went down like you're the goalkeeper, bro. You gotta be 
stronger than that. You can't let that man grab all over you. And if you are, bring some attention to yourself and be like, there's a guy all over me. Hey, ref, what are you doing? But um, Arsenal looked really shaky at the back. Brentford took it to them off the back of their fans and how excited they were. And I'm look, I can give you a bunch more analysis, but I'm not. Brentford played Arsenal off the park. Arsenal didn't have their players, but I don't know if that necessarily makes a difference in this case. Brentford just went out there and put the fucking wood down. Like I, like I said, I of this match, especially because of the day it fucking happened, like I have nothing but just praise for Brentford. Like I think Brentford went out there and just played the better game. Arsenal looked confused. They looked very young. They had certain moments of promise going forward, and I kind of think that Arsenal has a really like good front. It's just after that, it, you know, shit be falling apart. Uh, and again, Brentford took advantage of that. Y'all know how I feel about the stadium and the fans. It was lovely, and I love the. It was just a great atmosphere. Like I said, I could give you so many more words, but it's very early in the season, and like major questions for Arsenal. It makes Brentford look great, and I'm really, really excited to see what they do going forward. But, like, I got hella questions for Arsenal, which is kind of how I left last season. So I don't really like, – I don't know what to make of it. It's the same questions I had at the beginning, even with more mystery now because the two dudes who kind of pulled them out of the stuff might be like, fuck it. <laughs> that's, that's Abu and Lacazette, not anybody else. <laughs> oh, I, I legit thought you were talking about Smith Rowe and Saka. Like that, that's how bad I things have gotten there. Um, Damn. <laughs> I thought it was Odegaard, to be honest. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Throw him Here, in the mix. Here's whatever. what just happened. We all named three, like two sets of like three different sets of two people. That's what's wrong with Arsenal. I, I don't know. I don't know what they do now. Like I expected better clearly on what I said, but like, like I'm not gonna miss words. That's a shit performance, Marshall. And I don't like. I'm normally not that mean, but like, I don't know. It, they just shat the bed and made Brentford look like the glory boys of the weekend. So, I mean, b- before you go, Brendan, I-, I will say this real quick. They were missing Partey, which I think was a bigger concern for Arsenal than like people want to give it credit. Like, I think if Partey's that, probably that second goal doesn't happen because he would be a little bit more physical. And at the same time, like Brentford scored, the first goal was a very good strike that goes in with a very small XG. And the second goal, not a very good, uh, not very good defending. So like, I don't think Brentford looked as good, but at the same time, like Arsenal should have looked better. And I also wonder like how much of it was just like that small stadium, people in the stands, like, you know, for the first time in 70 years in in the first division, like, it, it was going to be a tough atmosphere and how much of that even played a part in uh, Arsenal kind of crumbling at the end. Braden, any final yeah, words? I, yeah, I agree with pretty much all of that. Um, I, I do want to clarify one thing about uh, the Leno situation that we discussed earlier. Like I'm fine with that not being a foul, but I, I feel like there's, we're going to see that plenty of times called off as a foul. Uh, at some point in the season. Uh, it's kind of one of those, I would just like the refereeing to be consistent. Uh, a bigger problem is that no one on the team goes over to uh, insert himself there and, and to clear up Leno. Like, that. Like to me, that's the problem. Like, you can't just rely on 
the ref, like go do something about it. Uh, and, and that's kind of like my overall frustration there, but yeah, yeah. Just bad performance all the way around from Arsenal. Absolutely. And, uh, congratulations Brentford on your first, uh, premier league win and welcome back to the top division. Another team that was welcome back last year with very high expectations and played really well. Uh, except for this same fixture last year where they got absolutely bit slapped six to return to Old Trafford for the opening day. Leeds United taking on a Manchester United team with a lot of question marks. You didn't have Cavani. Rashford was out. People didn't know what the fuck was going on with Pogba. And as a fan watching, waking up to just the game getting ready, Old Trafford's packed, and it just starts off with, you know what? We fucked up Rafa Varane's announcement over the last week. So we're just going to present him in front of the whole fucking stadium class move and got the team going, got the crowd going. And then you just saw absolutely brilliant football, Paul Pogba. That's by far his best performance in a Manchester United Jersey, Bruno Fernandez. I mean, words have, uh, there aren't enough words for me to describe what he means to this club. Mason Greenwood, another good performance. And in all of this, Leeds also scored an absolute banger. Like Luke Ayling's goal was probably the best and the goal that no one's going to talk about. So Leeds won, Manchester United 5. We're top of the table, Will. How does it feel? Currently, City are getting relegated, so pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm bringing it back right now. I have Optostats because you talked about how good Pogba's game was. Uh, Pog was the seventh person in Premier League history to have four assists in a single game. Um, he's on that list with some heady company. Uh, I believe Burkamp's on there. I think there's a couple other names, but he put in a hell of a shift. And as much as I want to shit on Pogba all the time, because I'm also not the biggest fan of France, uh, he put in his shift and earned his shit today. So I can't say anything about Pogba. Um, Leeds is the first team to give up back-to-back hat tricks on the opening day ever. And I don't really like Leeds that much. So shout out to Bruno Fernandez and Mo Salah for making their fucking day worse. Like, I'm never going to give a shout like that, but I just don't like Leeds that much, so I'm okay with it. Leeds, I want to see what they're going to perform like from teams who play laterally, um, or laterally against them, I should say. I think we might see them struggle a little bit with bigger clubs this year. I kind of want to see how they play against the rest of the guys that are going to be floating around there against them, so I'm not going to put too much analysis in it that way. Um... United look real sick up front and they've solved a lot of problems at the back. I've been saying this since last season, so I'm not going to dwell too much on it. I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm fucking worried and I'm sure y'all had a lovely time on Saturday, but my coffee was not great. So um, hell of a performance from Manchester United. I expect better things from Leeds, um, but their fans singing that Marcus Rashford let down the country I'm just going to go ahead and say a lot of white guys singing that song. Hey, y'all got out of class and y'all team lost. So as much as I hate to say I'm behind Manchester United, shut the fuck up, please. Do better. Uh, yeah, I think this is pretty much just a really strong United performance all the way around. Uh, it will be interesting to me to see if this is a thing that leads do again. Like we talked about them a lot last season being a very open team that – you could pretty much pick apart if you had the skill and were willing to kind of match their intensity. And so I wonder if that's going to be a thing that we see again uh, this season, or if maybe they will uh, become a little more pragmatic at some point, like they did the end of last season. Um, 
really good, obviously, from Pogba. I don't need to go that much more over that. If you have four assists, you probably had a pretty good day. <laughs> um, and and just a really strong United performance. I, I think it's kind of, uh, you know, when you're bringing Jaden Sancho off the bench and you're beating a team you know, a 5-1, uh, it's really uh, what you want to start a season. Just go out there pretty comprehensive, get everyone some fitness, that sort of thing. I, really well done from United. Um, Leeds, look, Arsenal Academy, Luke Ayling with a screamer. Arsenal could use some of that, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, Leeds is going to be fine. They're going to go out and uh, they'll they'll beat some of the teams that kind of like Will was mentioning are, are a little closer to them on the table. But I think that when they play these teams that are maybe a little bit more technical and can pick them apart, I, I, you can have days like this, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I... Bielsa loves playing that man-to-man system in the midfield. And the guy for me who is really impressive, who not a whole lot of people are going to talk about from this game, is McTominay. I think his dynamism, his ability to, you know, not just be a, a like, not just sit in front of the back line and shield them, but also be able to carry the ball forward and so on. Really impressive stuff. We'll see if uh, United continue this. Because I remember we started similar 4-0 against Chelsea and then kind of everything went to shit right after that when we couldn't win at Wolves, couldn't win the games away and so on. So it's not just about one game. Man United put the statement of intent out there, but we shall see how they continue. At the same time, though, it feels nice having the best uh, center back in the league back in our team. Having said that, talking about center backs a player that not a whole lot of center backs in the Premier League are going to like to play is Jamie Vardy. And he scored an absolute, I mean, I shouldn't say banger because it wasn't a banger, but he scored a very, very good goal against Wolves to give Leicester City a 1-0 lead. In my personal opinion, neither one of the two teams looked brilliant. But Leicester, again, this is the mark of a good team. When things aren't going your way, when things aren't the best, you figure a way out to win. That's what Leicester did. And Wolves, I mean, I think it's going to take some time. If Adama Traore puts his chance away, maybe we're talking a different game here. But he didn't. It's been his problem for a while now. And uh, Leicester, 1-0 win. Brandon Rogers, starting off with three points. Braden? Yeah, so my takeaway from this was uh, pretty positive as far as Wolves go. I, I know Leicester won. They got three points. But uh, Wolves looked a lot better than I kind of thought they were. I, I was worried with, you know, Nuno leaving. You have, you know, some player movement there as well. And, like, I just feel like it's a club that's in a lot of flux right now with kind of what they're trying to do and, and their project that they're working on. And I, I felt like this was a pretty strong um, game to go out. And even if they didn't get the win, they played against a, a pretty strong lesser side overall. Um, so uh, moral victories are kind of what they are and not worth a whole lot. Um, so uh, we won't go too much farther than that. Uh, for Leicester, uh, like you said, Vardy, really great goal. Like this is what Vardy does. He scores low extra goals and makes a difference in these games. And, you know, good to see Harvey Barnes back out there as well. Like after his injury last year, capped him out of the vast majority of the second half of the season. And, I'm, you know, Leicester, I think it's just kind of, getting three points from this and moving on like this is this game won't necessarily define their season, but I I think you can file it under the, you can't win the title in August, but you can kind of lose it. (laughs) Um, So 
well done to Lester to get three points and um, and just take care of their business. Uh, Lester start title winning seasons by winning innocuously. Who knew? Um, and so here's the stat for this one. We'll talk about Jamie Vardy and how good he is with this. Only three more people have more goals on opening day. Eight. Than Jamie Vardy seven. Let me tell you who they are. Wayne Rooney, Alan Shearer, and Frank Lampard. Let's talk about Jamie Vardy being that good. Just got to go ahead and put it out there. Dude's been consistent forever. He is he older than me? He just feels very old, and he's just scoring out of his, like, out of his gourd. Uh, and he's also the king of shit housery because he's yelling at the crowd and breaking flags and shit like that. I want to watch Jamie Vardy score because he celebrates like a douchebag, and I love it. Um, Lester look a competent side wolves. I'm going to copy and paste the exact same thing I said about Leeds, And that's going to happen a lot in this first weekend. Did wolves and Leeds, I want to see play each other because I want to see how they match up to see if one's going to ascend or if one's going to come down. Uh, so I really, again, would like to say a lot, but Lester look good out of the blocks. Again, innocuous starts by Lester could lead to bigger and better things going forward. But you know, this is all about Jamie Vardy having a party and, uh, certain substances coming in uh, various forms, going into various orifices that we uh, occasionally get congested in. That's enough of those jokes. How do you feel, Spoon? What, like Red Bull? <laughs> I, I always snort my Red Bull, that's fine. <laughs> Dang. Um, uh, as far as Jamie Vardy goes, I mean, the guy scored against Wolves and went in front of the fucking Wolves fans and started howling in front of them. Like, so good. If he, I think Braden was the one who said it a couple, uh, I, I, should, I, I guess a couple seasons ago at this point, where if Jamie Vardy played for a big team, he would be the most hated player in England. Oh, yeah. Like, easily. But because he plays for Leicester, and, like, people kind of still think of Leicester in this cute, like, you know, little brother kind of a way to every single team. And he's like, that's all right. Like, he's just having fun. He's just doing his thing. And it was fun to see that. And to be honest, like, just to see the fans. Like back, it it was fun to have that kind of a banter between the players and the away fans. So having said that, I think Braden is right. Wolves look better than expected. They were chances for them. And I think with a new manager, all you can ask for is you see a blueprint. And over time, you hope that it will start producing results. If not in actual goals, then in XG. Because, you know, sometimes you just got to live with that XG and die with that XG as well. Somebody who did not give a fuck about XG was Marcus Alonso in the absolute banger he scored against Crystal Palace. Um, brilliant game for Chelsea Football Club in this. Just won the Super Cup. Uh, came in and uh, right after this game, it was pretty sure that Lukaku was getting announced. Lukaku's officially being announced. Had had his interview as well. This game, again, similar to very, very similar to Man United. The team's getting better. The team's getting all together, and now you're finally seeing, like, hey, is this a team that can contend for the title? Because we haven't seen them contend for one in a while. So I'm going to come to you, Brayden, first, especially in mind that you are about to uh, bet on them at some point later this week. Uh, or not on them, but in a game with them. So how are you feeling about this whole uh, Chelsea resurgence? I mean, Chelsea are a very good team. You don't win the Champions League without being a, a pretty good team. And obviously adding Lukaku. 2012 some... Chelsea is like, nah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, they're adding Lukaku. They're you know, still just, they've got all the talent they came from last year. I think that 
when we were doing the season preview last year and Chelsea had just spent 250 million and I feel like they became everyone's odds on favorite for the, for the title that season. I, I, you and I talked about this about like, maybe it'll be next year will be their season after the players gel and kind of, you know, make those connections with each other. And I think you're starting to see that. Like I fully expect Chelsea to make a strong run for the title this season. Um, whether or not they'll get there will, you know, depend on, you know, a few other things that had to shake out, but I think they're going to make a strong push this year. Um, as far as this game, I think it's really good to see uh, Chelsea go out and have a performance like this after having to play uh, earlier in the week, uh, early this early in the season. That's kind of, especially while you're still getting your fitness. I feel like it's a pretty tough thing to do to go out and play Wednesday come back to London, play again uh, on, on Saturday. I think they deserve some credit for that. I think that's a good sign of where this Chelsea team is. And uh, they're deep. They've got a lot of talent, and I, it's hard to look past them. Yeah. I mean, I first off, I want to give congratulations to Chelsea for winning the Super Cup, a trophy that doesn't matter until you win it. Um, take it from me. Uh Cosmic Chelsea performance. I've gone on record talking about how like I am threatened by Manchester United, but I feel like this is probably Chelsea's year because I listened to you guys last year and I feel like they are gelling a lot faster right now. Um, if you want me to talk about Crystal Palace, tune in next week when they play another team because this is more about Chelsea because they played that well. Um, they look good up front. They look like they're kind of like they have figured out more things at the back. Uh, they got a decent keeper between the sticks. Chelsea, maybe Tuchel knows what, knows what he's doing. And I, you know, I don't think we should keep all the praise on him right now that everyone is talking about how he's like the second coming of, I've, I've hit Jesus too much this time. So we'll say Zeus, I guess. He's the second coming of something really, really good. I think like, yes, he won the Champions League under very dire circumstances, but this league is completely different. So if he goes out and wins the league, then maybe we can talk about it. But for right now, their performance was really, really good. You know, I'm not going to leave you without a stat. And I got to talk about U.S. agent himself, Cap- Christian Pulisic. That's right. I call him U.S. agent. I know how I feel about him. Um, 39% of his goals, he's only scored 14, have come against Crystal Palace. He scored every single time he's played them. So clearly he enjoys one particular side of London. It just doesn't happen to be his. Um, Chelsea looked good. I wish the best for Patrick Vieira. The jury's still out. And and we'll talk more about y'all next week. <laughs> I mean, the jury's still out. It's one match. Like, I think he deserves a little bit more time than that. Hey, look, ju- juries take a long time to deliberate. I didn't say they had to finish it today. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and say, for what it's worth, uh, watching uh, Trevor Chalobas go out and score his first goal was also absolutely brilliant. The tweet uh, for, of him, like, from five years ago, uh, promising his mom that he's going to make it was kind of emotional as well. So um, all good luck to him. And, uh, you know, for what it's worth, seeing young players make it at a club like Chelsea is kind of unheard of. And hopefully it is only the beginning for some of these players. Having said that, uh, Crystal Palace do need to get better because uh, I Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, the first game back is not quite the benchmark that Crystal Palace would be judged by. At the same time, like there was literally nothing like that Crystal Palace offered. Like, I think that that would be the more worrying set moving forward. But we shall see. Zaha. They have had him for like a very long time <laughs> at this point. So we shall see how that goes on. But 
the team that is a friend of the pod, Watford Football Club, were back in the Premier League, back in action against Aston Villa. And at one point, looked absolutely were going to bit slap Villa. Like, we, first game back, make a marker down, put your marker down and say, hey, we are better than you. However, uh, Villa somewhat made it a game at the end. I don't know if it was like in American football terms, they were just protecting their lead and not giving a fuck about what was going on. But um, Villa made a game out of it. Couldn't do enough. Watford three, Aston Villa two, Ismail Sar with a goal, getting warmed up for when uh, Liverpool visit uh, Vicarage Road. Braden, how do you feel about them? I, strong performance from Watford. I didn't really expect this from them. Uh, I think... If you're a Villa fan, I think this has to be worrying to come out that flat in the opening match of the season, especially with a lot of new faces. And I think you would have hoped for a stronger performance of that. A little, a good response after halftime. So it's not all negative there. Um, but, you know, Watford are just I, I didn't know what to expect from this team. And it looks pretty decent. Uh from this match. Uh, we'll see exactly where L- Villa end up this season. We'll see uh, Watford as they go on for the rest of the season. But I thought it was a pretty strong performance from them coming out, especially to go up three uh, nil. I don't think any of us picked it uh, or picked Watford to win. Um, so fair play to them. Um, I thought it was really strong. And, you know, SAR is a guy that I, I kind of wonder how he's still at Watford because I, I when they went down, I thought that, probably a bigger club would come and look for them would look around, try to get him. But uh, he's, he's a problem for a lot of people. I feel like, and and he's going to be in and around kind of everything Watford do on the offensive side of the pitch this season. Right. And it's funny you mentioned that because I happen to can say this since stars, since SAR, who's a star has started on this team. uh, He's had more goals and more involvement in goals, 20 goals and 28 than anybody else who plays for Watford, including Fat Drake. Like, clearly that man makes that team go in a way that Watford's gotten away with it for him still being there. Um, We're just not going to talk about a dude coming on the pitch 48 seconds later, scoring his first goal, living his best life. Uh, Hernandez hit a blinder, and that was the the best part of the match for me, except for the very end when, uh, you know, Danny Ings got that penalty, and that's cool. I'm not even going to dwell on that. I really like that. Hernandez goal really lit something under me. Hell of a performance from Watford. As long as SAR sticks around, maybe that team can do something and I can stop being so mean to them. But I'm like, that's a hell of a performance. I wonder how Villa recover afterwards. What One thing that you reminded me of there, of that, Will, when we talked about the promoted teams uh, coming up, uh, it did mention uh, Emmanuel Dennis is an interesting player to watch on Watford, uh, getting his first goal in the Premier League, a strong start there. Uh, so if you're working on your FPL teams and you and you want to find some gems, uh, go back and listen to the promoted teams episode. Absolutely. And uh, that kind of wraps us up for the first segment of this podcast. We still have Everton. We still have the other team from Liverpool and we still have the big Tottenham game to discuss. We'll be back on the other side. Cheers. What is up, guys? Back with the second segment of this podcast. And we are going to start at Liverpool, where Everton came back from a 1-0 deficit against Southampton to win 3-1. A brilliant performance from Everton in the second half. A horrendous performance from Southampton in the second half. And to be 
to be fair, the goal came out of a Michael Keane absolute disaster. And that's how Southampton, like, high press, scored their goal and then just lost the plot in the second half. Will, I'm going to come to you. You're under 23s. What'd you make of them? Uh... It was a it was a decent performance from Everton, and it's a really good fight back. If you're an Everton fan, that's a galvanizing thing because to be down in front of the home fans and have that support get behind you like that, fans make the difference, and those fans in Goodison Park got they smurf asses up and lifted Everton to a decent performance. I like the way Everton's set up. I think they're going to be just fine. Um, I don't have much to say about Southampton except for this. Since Ralph House of Huntel's taken over, They have lost 60 points from winning positions. 60 points. If Southampton had all 60 of those points, we'd be talking about a different team, the one who I would hype up endlessly every time last season. Alpine Klopp might be the problem with this team, and I don't know if he has it. And more that something's not going right between the ears, and when something's not going right between the ears, you can blame the players, but I typically put that on the guy who's putting the thoughts into those heads. So if Ralph wants to save his team, he's got to get together and figure it out. Again, this is a team who might do get better against lateral teams, but uh, I'm not really going to talk too much about Everton because fuck them. Uh, well-deserved win. Rafa got a decent reaction. Ralph Houston Huntel has to figure out this team or he's going to be on the first bus back to they're on an island. Yeah. First ship back to the Alps. When I saw Southampton go up 1-0, I was like, oh, maybe I was wrong. Like, maybe this is going to be a different Southampton than what I expected. It, and that's going to be real interesting. <laughs> and, and then Everton was just like, no, no, you you are that team. You are that bad. Uh, this is a very deserved win for Everton. Um, XG checks out as well. This wasn't an accident. Um, I... I just don't think a lot about the Southampton team. And I, the stat about the like 60 points from winning positions, I think that that probably needs a little bit more context as far as like how other teams have done uh, as well. Like if like 60 points for, if it's 60 points for hasn't huddled, but at the same time, it's like 70 points for most other teams. Like that's a good thing, but uh, it, it doesn't sound great for sure. And, it's a Southampton team that I think have just not looked that great for a little while. Um, going back to last season and with the losses they've had, I, I have concerns there. Uh, for a frame of reference there. Uh, and I meant, I didn't mention it. Uh, that's worse in the league, the 60 points from winning positions. It's the worst in the premier league since he's taken over. So yeah, that's not great. <laughs> thank you for, yeah, thank you for letting me provide the context. It's been since he's taken over. He's taken like as a manager, he's the person who's taken that least amount of points. Um, because Danny Ings wants to play for that team, and I'm not going to blame all of them for it. <laughs> I mean, I, I I will say like with Southampton, they are just in a horrible spot. And much like Braden said, like when Southampton scored, I was watching the game and I was kind of a. A, a bit puzzled as to what the fuck just happened. Like, you don't see that from Michael Keane, of all people, uh, very often. And in the second half, they showed their class. I mean, Richarlison, at the end of the day, is a very good player. And I will say this, and this is going to be my only, like, um, hot take for after week one. I think Rafa Benitez, as a manager, and what he does is a better fit for Everton Football Club and where they are than Carlo Ancelotti ever was. 
I don't think that's a hot take. I, I think that makes a I lot of sense. I think that's very accurate. Yeah, I think that's a really accurate take. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Good, Good job being nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> having said that, well, uh, get, I, go ahead. Like to provide some clarity there, like Car- when you think of Carlo, like you think of the best thing he does is managing like superstar egos, and it's like. Bro, you're at Everton. Like, who's the superstar ego that you're managing here? Like, Rick Charleston in his own head. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, I do think that a, a little bit more tactical manager like Benitez w- will do Everton a lot of good. Yeah, and I mean, if you really think back to Everton's, like, good times in the Premier League, it came under David Moyes where he really was in the weeds of things, trying to make sure the team played a certain way. So... We'll see how uh, the team progresses overall, but uh, promising signs for Everton and uh, Rafa Benitez. All I will say about that is he, this was a much needed win because if you lose to a team like Southampton when you're not expected to, with fans already like not necessarily wanting you as much, I think would have been a recipe for disaster for Everton. But going out there, come back when Ad Goodison makes them feel good. So, We'll see how this story develops because I think it's I it is something to keep an eye out on on Everton. Like I have heard a bunch of Everton fans talk about how they are not the biggest fan of Rafa Benitez, especially because of how much he's adored and loved by the rivals. So for Rafa to go out there and do a job, I think is very very important, especially early on to get the fans on his side. And uh, somebody that needed. Fans on their side were Burnley at Turf Moor after taking a 1-0 lead early on in the game. Finally, finally, it wasn't just the XG that Brighton dominated. They actually dominated by scoring two goals and winning the game. I had picked them in my Pickham League. I was kind of concerned when I saw Brighton go up, but or Burnley go up, sorry. And uh, Brighton went out and did their thing. Thank you so much, Graham Potter. How are you feeling about this game? Huh, man. Um, I Brighton, look at them showing up and playing like we expected them to. And away from home. I do love when a team goes away from home and makes the home team feel bad in front of themselves, especially when it's Burnley, especially when Burnley weren't going out there to do anything impressive after that first couple 15 minutes of trying to show that they know how to play football. They kind of came out and didn't do anything else. Um, first off, Neil Malpe lives, so that justifies me from like three seasons ago. Thanks for that, buddy. Um, Graham Potter did two smart things. Second half, he went back five. That helps. Or he did three smart things. Back five, Adam Milana creates some more chances, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a fucking scouse bastard. I am. It's fine. He did. You saw it. It's whatever. But the better thing is all of his substitutions made immediate impacts in that game. He brought in a goal scorer. He brought in the guy who set up Malpe for that goal. And Lalana was a, a fucking uh, substitute as well. So for all the stuff we talked about, Graham Potter being really, really smart and this fantastic manager, he adjusted. He saw what Burnley was doing. He changed his lineup. He put in better pieces. They went out there, did what we always want them to do. Yes, I picked Burnley. I've never regretted anything more in my life. That's not true. I'm 33. Got a lot of regrets. But I... Credit to Graham Potter. Like, the dude went out and did everything we always talk about, changed the system, made it work for him. Y'all know I'm going to leave you without some nonsense. 11 of their last games at home, Burnley has lost. I, 
they haven't won since they beat Villa 3-2 in January of, like, yeah. Burnley, beige football, get around it because if they play your favorite team, y'all might walk off with three points. Was was that January game? No, I think Arsenal drew. Never mind. I was trying to like, was that Arsenal? Uh, I'm pretty sure that was a draw. Okay. Villa, uh, it was Villa. Um, as far as this game, uh, I thought it was a really good uh, performance overall from Brighton to come back and, you know, have some good finishing and, and not just be kind of the Brighton that we talked about last year. I said in the previous show, I wanted to see them prove it. I'm not necessarily saying that this has absolved all previous sins, but <laughs> it, it's a first step towards it, I, I think for sure. Um, Burnley, I kind of, 50 50 for me as far as whether Tarkowski should be allowed to push over uh, Mape for for that goal but you know the ref didn't call it so like whatever um I, I was surprised that that was allowed to stand under VAR but uh, it's one of those things in England it seems like you can just kind of do whatever you want from set pieces and if you tried that from open play just not a chance like that's a foul every time but that's kind of a separate thing um but I, I was impressed from Brighton this game. I, I felt like he saw some of the attacking patterns that uh, they really like to do, especially in the second half. And I think you saw them pay off with goals this time as opposed to like near misses. <laughs> yeah. And I think for as far as Brighton are concerned, that it's the near misses that have really come back to haunt them and put them in a relegation battle. Because like you look at expected points, they're supposed to be a top six, seven team. You know, so they have produced performance after performance. It's just not particularly getting the results. So it was nice to see them uh, get the win. And now they go back home to take on a newly promoted Watford. And I think back-to-back wins could uh, really set in motion a good season for Graham Potter and the boys. But a team that seems to be making a comeback right now from their dreadful performances last year is Liverpool after a commanding 3-0 win against Norwich. You know how good they were when a ball that Mo Salah was trying to control ended up absolutely bamboozling the whole Norwich defense, ends up in Diogo Jota's feet and opens the scoring. And after that, it was just a matter of time before they put a couple more past them as well. Uh, very okay I'm gonna just say this about the game and people are going to say I'm being a bit um, crazy about this whole situation but I remember when Mo Salah first came to the league and he was very direct in the way he played and just couldn't get his finishing off and couldn't get certain things uh, right and then once everything fell in place Liverpool started rolling and things started happening for them Diogo Jota playing in that mid in the center of the front three was very interesting because he had absolutely no idea which way Mane or Salah were going to make runs. There were multiple times in that game where he would just stand in the middle or make the same run as one of the other two and end up in the same position. So once those things start getting figured out, as far as Jota goes, I think it could be again, a very good front three for the season for Liverpool. So brain you first and then will thoughts on the overall, um, game i really strong from liverpool in this match i felt like and uh like you kind of mentioned like when liverpool are clicking and and things like 
Salah accidentally assisting Jota for the first goal. Like it's a it's a tough Liverpool team to beat. And it, it, I looked at the lineup that came out and was kind of like, I get that it's Norwich, but Milner, Ox, and Keita in midfield was concerning to me, shall we say? But um, I think I deserve a lot of credit for going out uh, and. And getting the getting the win, I I realize the scoreline is three 0 Liverpool are mostly in control. Norwich had some chances, like Norwich ended up with one point three three xgs to Liverpool's one point seven nine. So I mean, Norwich had chances, but Liverpool put them away, and like that's kind of the difference I think in these top teams is they have guys who finish the the chances that they get, and you know, fair play to Liverpool. I their better team deserve winners, and I. We'll have to see how the whole season goes out because I don't want to take too much away from playing Norwich. I'm going to be bullish and kind of go with the same opinion. Like it did again. We'll probably hear a little bit about it at the end of the show, but it did my heart well to watch Liverpool win. Uh, It was a consummate performance from a team who you expect to give a performance like that. And that's just not me being a fucking scouse homer. Any team who has any like, Every team who we thought was going to make a challenge for the title, except for one who we get to talk about here in a sec, which is great, kind of came out and laid down a marker of like, hey, this is the team that you expected. Uh, it This Liverpool team almost felt like they were completing what they started from the season before the end of the season. Like, it kind of felt like that. Not that they're that good. There are still questions that I love that midfield, but that's going to make a lot of other people real suspect. Stop. I love it. Because I'm an asshole. That's why I like that team. I've always loved Ox. Shut up. Um, but like, I'm. It's a consonant. Like, it's a it's a decent performance. Not even decent. It's a great performance from Liverpool. I will speak to Norwich. They did have opportunities. I, they looked pretty decent up front. Liverpool had like not questions in the back, but like we kind of let them go through with stuff because we were still kind of like trying to figure things out. I. I kind of want to see what Norris does from here because they're going to be one of those teams where it's like I wanted to talk about how they're going to get relegated, but like also the last time they scored goals, they tried hard, whatever, um, and got relegated. Exactly. Uh, I'm just going to leave y'all with this: nine games since that man has been in charge, he has not lost a single opening day game. We have won six of them with three or more goals, uh, and this time no one broke his glasses, so I'm okay with that. Klopp. I can see the confusion. <laughs> he's been. He, there's no way he's been in charge for nine opening day games. Of the nine, as it says here on my official yellow legal pad, <laughs> uh, taken straight from Sky Sports. It, we're old, dude. <laughs> but of the last nine openers that Liverpool played, we have not lost one. We've won six of them by three or more goals. Oh, yes. I thought you said of the nine opening day games with Klopp and I'm like what the, where the fuck did you get that stat but um dude we've been the, friends for 10 years where you been <laughs> um the the one thing I do want to say about Liverpool though I when I looked at that midfield similar to Brayden I did have a instant reaction of like what the fuck is going on but if the way to beat Norwich is not really trying to play this like amazing brand of like tiki-taka football that I don't know if like Liverpool can really play anyway, but like the way is to just have a midfield that's going to press you, not going to give you a whole lot of time. And that's what those three did. Like they don't have a whole lot of quality on the ball, but off the ball, there is a lot. So I think that's what uh, Liverpool did credit to them. 
good, good win for them. And talking about a good win, an absolutely West Ham United at 4-2 winners after what can only be described as a shambolic first half performance from them, Newcastle taking the lead. Mikel Antonio being an absolute chaos merchant out there, wins a penalty, misses a penalty, uh, still scores a goal, gives an assist, wins the game 4-2. And uh, thank you for the points for my fantasy team, Mikel Antonio. Having said that, should have uh, kept side Benarama in because I said it before the game as well. This season seems to be his. I think he's finally adjusted to the Premier League. And I'm excited to see what he can do against especially teams like Newcastle United. And I guess Burnley is the only other team that I can think of right now. Brent, yeah. or Will, whichever. Uh, it, I, I was liking Newcastle at the beginning. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I thought they looked pretty good. I was really excited. I thought Steve Bruce came on here and got the boys hype. Side I'm note. so surprised. I, I did, Of course you are. Side note, Steve Bruce, that jacket was dope. I just want to go ahead and say that on the air. That was a nice jacket. I, Newcastle got some dope merch. Aside from that, West Ham, uh, we talked about how we thought that Europe was going to put a dent in like how they performed in the league because of depth and like playing games back to back to back. So I think it's very, very important for West Ham to come out, get some belief behind themselves, and win a match like this in which they had to overcome a little bit of difficulty. Because even if you don't necessarily have that depth, maybe just some good performance in the league can galvanize you to move forward and do things in Europe. We're not a European football podcast, but I'm going to put it out there. If West Ham keep doing well, maybe they'll let that build and build into something more. Um Fucking Newcastle, dude. Like, I don't even have words. Just fucking Newcastle. Y'all brought out y'all new signing. The crowd was hype. Everything was lit. Fans are great. And you shat the bed. And as someone who shat the bed in his childhood, you can't do that when you have everyone standing behind you. Like, uh, I'll give you your 75 bucks at some point, you bastard. <laughs> There's one comment in there that really very much concerned me about Newcastle that you just said in there, Will. <laughs> Um, mostly that being about Steve Bruce's jacket. Um, that's Arsenal's turf being the disappointing <laughs> team that has very nice fashion. Um, so I'm going to need them to chill on that. Um, I, I don't know what to think about this game. Like if you asked me before, if I thought there was a chance in hell that Newcastle scored two goals against West Ham, I, I would have told you it's just very, very unlikely. And so on the one hand, I'm kind of encouraged by that because you're going to get Joe Willick uh, back. You, he's already played with the team, so I don't think you're going to have a long like integration process or anything like that. The team looks like with Cal Wilson healthy, with St. Maximum healthy, they look a little bit more dynamic on in, in the attack, and maybe they can do something there. But you're, you just can't give up four goals. <laughs> like I, I don't know where to start. Like, the, it's just not what I expected from a Newcastle team. Like, uh, you just expect them to be this kind of boring team that's pretty decent at the back, but just doesn't really commit anything forward. And, and that's not really what I think you saw in this game. Um, uh, on the West Ham side, uh, like you said, Sapoon Antonio just absolutely, um, just putting himself around everywhere. Um, it, he's just a very I don't want to say like he's he's like a top striker or anything, but he's he's a guy who works hard and, and gets his goals. Like he, he just like 
I I feel like you watch him and it's just like, yeah, of course he he did. Like he's this one guy who like it's a very weird progression where like most guys as they age they move from like the front of the pitch to the back and like Antonio did the exact opposite. <laughs> he started as like a wing back and is now like a pretty decent striker in the Premier League, which is kind of a wild progression career wise. And I think you've got to be pretty encouraged with this game if you're a West Ham fan. Maybe you have some concerns about giving up two to Newcastle, but uh, all in all, a really, really strong performance from West Ham. The only thing I have to add to that is uh, keep an eye out for them once Europe comes back because if their Premier League results don't go anywhere in for the time being, we know it's going to be hard, especially with the Europa League. They could again become one of those annoying-ass teams where – if you aren't at your 100%, they are going to absolutely be there to punish you. And some team that after spending a billion pounds was still not on their game were Manchester City in the first game with fans that I can remember for uh, ever at the Tottenham Stadium. It was nice to see a fully packed stadium that was meant to have fans and hasn't had fans in a very fucking long time. And human song, Nuno Espirito Santos and company are going to be very, very happy after stunning champions Manchester City 1-0. I am going to reserve my thoughts before I hear yours. So I'm going to come to Braden first and then, Will, thoughts on the game, thoughts on human song and thoughts on uh, Jack Grealish playing in this game? Are you sure? Um, I heard wind, uh, mostly the sound of him getting run past, but it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird one for City. Like, I feel like this is kind of the story of that we say every time when City does not win a game. Like, uh, City two point uh, eleven expected goals to Spurs one point zero six, create chances, all that sort of thing. But just uh, they're lacking that that clinical finisher up front. I mean, uh, they made comments about several times about Ferran Torres was making. Uh, runs in behind and wasn't getting the ball uh, played uh, played in a three ball for him. And I think that it just kind of sums up where the city attack is right now. Like, I think they're a team that dominates the ball. And when they, when things are going well, they're just completely unstoppable. Like, I think when, when plan a works, it's nearly impossible to stop city. Like they just have so many quality players and and they just tear you apart. But if a team has plan A figured out and can neutralize it like Spurs did in this game for the most part, there's just no plan B. Like, there's no option to throw a... I mean, I'm going to say Harry Kane because that's the guy that is being linked with and all that. But, like, I, I do kind of think that's why they want Harry Kane or another, like, striker like that where it's just yeah, maybe we can cross a ball into the box and maybe he just has a movement to, uh, to, to be able to play some different kind of balls in, or even just like the half chances that like some of these less natural goal scorers, uh, just can't put away that maybe a guy like Harry Kane does put away. And so I, it's just so weird to me that a team that's spending this much money is having, 
this much trouble finding a guy to to fit the system. Like, I, I, that part doesn't really make that much sense to me. But, um, I, fair play to Spurs. Like, they went out, they set up on the counter, and this, like, I think it's pretty clear that this is how you beat City is you play them on the counter and if you have the pace and if you have a guy who can score um it's kind of some or just take some low xg chances uh you've got a shot at the game and i think that's exactly what spurs did like there was a a probably good 20 minute stretch or so where um especially like right around when son scored that i feel like just every time city lost possession of the ball it was an extremely dangerous attack coming the other way and so i i don't know if that's a thing that's just like that's a flaw in the system and it's just not going to get worked out and and pep's fine with it or if that's a thing that they can figure out but a lot of credit to spurs like they they went out they executed a game plan and did very well to win uh spurs look good defensively like that's i'm gonna say that i know city doesn't have a lot going up front currently but they still got some hitters in that midfield and spurs did a decent job of stopping them i'm not even fucking here to talk about spurs and the team here to talk about nuno because this is a fucking nuno tribute podcast now because my fucking stat is you know pep guardiola he of best manager in the world whatever um man's only been beaten three times in the premier league by a certain group of managers one of them is dad, Jurgen Klopp. The other one, Jose Mourinho. The other two, Ole and Nuno. I think Nuno had a plan. I think Nuno put that plan in place. And I think he got behind those boys and said, if that guy's not going to play, then you come out here and show your ass. Not only did they show ass, their fans showed ass. Because the best part of this match for me is everyone yelling at Daniel Levy and at a certain point, the camera caught him. It looked like that homeboy was asleep, uh, which I enjoyed. He was looking at his phone, but it's whatever. Um, I think this is a good win for Spurs going forward. That galvanizes the team. They have a lot of controversy going on behind the scenes. So a good like team win like that makes them feel good. It makes people trust Nuno a little bit more, which you have to because the dude is one of the better managers going right now. Um, I'm also going to leave you with this little tidbit. Last time the champ lost on open day. Or the last two times, they did not repeat. Leicester lost in 17. Chelsea lost in 18. Neither of them repeated as champions. So keep your goddamn fingers crossed that the fucking spirits keep it going and that maybe one of us three win a title and we don't have to ever have a city guest on this show ever again. I love the city guest we've had, but we don't need to do it again. <laughs> Damn. I mean, you say they didn't have a whole lot going forward. Like, Raheem Sterling, Jack Grealish, Riyad Mahrez, Fernand Torres, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Gabriel Jesus, all played in this game at one point or another. B-Squad. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I think Braden made a very good point. Like they, This happens time and time again with Manchester City, where and especially with Pep, where if plan A ain't working, he really seems out of ideas and seems very hell-bent on like, this is how we're going to play. And I think they're going to be fine in the long in the long run. I think overall, like it's not a worrying sign. And again, look at the managers like who've really beaten 
him like Klopp with Liverpool like played a brand of football that Man City found very very hard to compete against with Wolves like he made like Nuno made sure those teams are so hard to beat and I will say this to all Spurs fans when Nuno was announced I was one of the few people who said like that's a very very good uh, managerial signing for them if you don't think Daniel Levy and your front office are good and are like know what they're doing then why do you want their first choice to work out at that point you don't want their first choice you want their third or fourth choice person because like the lower they are on the person probably the better manager they are happened with Pochettino too it wasn't their first choice Louis van Gaal was supposed to be their manager so people tend to forget these things and I think Nuno again another uh, manager who really fits uh, this team in my opinion uh, Tanganga, special shout out to him. Absolutely brilliant performance. And overall for Pep and Man City, like I don't understand why Rodri has not started. I don't know why he was dropped for the Champions League final. I don't know why he was not starting in this game. If it is to do with international football or injury, my bad. But um, nothing that I have heard of so far. But you cannot play Sterling and Grealish on the same team. Grealish is not Kevin De Bruyne, who can be in the left side of a midfield. He has to play in that winger, like, not a winger, but like a left mid position where he has space. He can stand the player up and take him on because it, it was pathetic watching him for this. Like, in, And I know it's the debut, but you know what? I have not been the biggest defender of Paul Pogba, but a certain fucking TV uh, personality said he cost 100 million, so four assists is what you expect of him. Where is that criticism of Jack Grealish right now? You know, like, if you really want to be fair, that is, that is where criticism should exist, Will. I want to go just to speak to what you said, and it has nothing to do with what you said, but who you said it about. Whoever you were talking about, as a Liverpool fan, that dude's a nutty and needs to shut up. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't want to turn this into, like, the same situation that happened with, like, Michael Richards and everybody, but, like, fair. I, yeah. I, I think people do need to realize that when you have a price tag, when you have a player like Jack Grealish, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. And it will be interesting to see how Pep makes those sacrifices. Because I've long said it, Jack Grealish is a player with a lot of sauce. He comes in with a lot of intensity, character. And it's very not like a Man City player. Like He's literally everything Pep does not like in a player. Where... He has flair. He doesn't want to stick to his position. He wants to dictate the game by himself. And I think the only player Pep is ever allowed to do that was Lionel Messi. But that was because, like, Messi is Messi. So it will be interesting to see over time how they grow. It is going to be scary, again, when Jack Grewer is playing on that left wing and you have uh, Kevin De Bruyne now just pinging him balls all over. But without a striker, I don't know how this goes. Um, overall, though, good, good time for uh, Spurs, and I think quietly enough, they have gone out there and gotten a couple of players like Christian Romano and Brian Gill, who can come in and do a job at the end of the day. Like, you you, you need to realize you're Tottenham. Like, you're not going to buy the superstars. You're going to get players who are going to come in and give in their 100%, and you need to know where you're at. And that's what I feel like Spurs are realizing. And one thing that Daniel Levy loved about this game is now he can go up to the shakes and be like, hey, we just beat you without Harry Kane, and we saw how sorry you look. So now the price is $175 million. 
$300 million. <laughs> My favorite tweet about this game was like, it's very rare that you see two teams both missing the same striker. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that that is kind of what sums up the whole game. And another, I mean, a- another performance by Spurs where like, I think in terms of value to the team, if they lost human song, it probably hurts them a little bit more than if they lose Harry Kane. Just going to put it out there. I might be wrong and I have been wrong before and all of that. But I think just in the way they play without Kane, there is a way to play that they can somehow manage. Whereas without human song, the team sometimes just looks lost. What's up, Paul? Uh, we, we, I mentioned this briefly off air, but I feel like I want to say it on air. Um, maybe you see this Spurs team loosen up a little bit because everything doesn't have to go through Harry Kane. Maybe you have a team who like, they, there's more creative ideas because now you suddenly don't have to depend upon the linchpin to do it for you. So this might be a Spurs team who's going to start pinging out more passes to more people. And you see more people get involved because their main guy isn't there. And now you maybe it sort of frees you in a way. Uh, a lot of times when I watch broadcasts, they talk about how, oh, this team lost a man, but all of a sudden they're more free because they can attack, and like that never really happens. It's whatever. But like maybe this is a situation in which losing the gold star makes everyone else a gold star too. I I see what you guys are saying because like I do think that Son is kind of fundamental to how they play. Um, it, it's a little bit of a stretch for me to say it's more important, but I, I mean, I think you're looking at one A and one B. Like I, I think that San, with the way that he, you know, you know, he's got the pace on the counter and just it, it, he has a connection with Kane. Like it's you see both of those guys, the way that they play off of each other is so so good, and that's a thing that like he has a skill set that you can't just replace with another like pacey winger like it, it, it's not that like son has a better shot like he has better um he makes better runs like he he does a lot of that that's just uh just all around better than what you could replace him with and i don't know like i'm not willing to necessarily go ahead and say that he's like more important but it's probably closer than most people would think yeah i mean i was trying to find some stats in terms of like what oh what is the differential when like one's playing and one's not playing. So hopefully I'll have that for the next episode. Um, I, I think overall though, a brilliant, brilliant weekend of premier league football. We saw zero draws. That was in my opinion, the optimistic side of things. You saw fantasy premier, uh, premier league scores go up to a hundred, 150. So that was kind of crazy. And um, thank you to both Salah and Bruno for saving my team. Cause both of y'all just balled the fuck out. Um, yeah. That that is it from us, but uh, Will has a special message for everybody. Uh, so I know you guys have heard me mention about how these last couple of weeks have been rough. Uh, we this I'm gonna put it as a city as a whole. We lost some people in the last two weeks who are very important to me. Uh, very important. Uh, one of them was very important to a lot of Manchester United supporters. One of them was very important to a lot of people who worked in the uh, restaurant and nightlife industry here in Atlanta. Uh, to my homeboy Matt, fellow resurgent gonna miss the hell out of you gonna miss all the banter about manchester united he was a big fucking red what a jerk about it too but 
a class human being, served the country very well. I have a bottle of liquor that that man bought me sitting in my house right now, and I look at it every time and get very emotional. To Miriam, who was taken far too soon, far too tragically, one of the sweetest people I knew, one of the best people in this town. If you're driving by Crog Tunnel and there's a very, very pretty picture spray painted on the side of a very, very pretty girl, that's Miriam. She was one of the best people I knew. I had the pleasure of working with her for a long time at Abu Dhabi's. It's been rough, y'all, for a lot of us out here. The most important thing I can leave this podcast with, I say it all the time. It's a quote I take from people. Give people their flowers while they're here, y'all, because you never know when you're going to lose somebody. Mental health is also super important because it's something that definitely plagued a lot of people until the very end. So if you need help, reach out to your friends. Talk to us. Stay safe. Don't be out past midnight by yourself. I know that sounds crazy to say, but if you go look up the details, you don't need to. Uh, it's been a rough one. Doing the show always helps. Uh, to be as blunt as I can, as a Scouse guy, it was very, very nice this week to see United win for our homeboy, Matt. And it was nice to stand in that stadium with a bunch of people and talk about Miriam and how important she was. So... If you're listening to the show and you knew Miriam, you knew Matt, raise one up for him. It's it's rough and it's going to be rough, but you know what? Love everyone as much as you can. Tell everyone how much you love them. I love both you bastards and stay safe. So to Miriam, to Matt, this one's for you. Love you guys.